sanctuary, Father God. I thank you, God. We have invited you in to be in the midst of us, oh God. We have invited you into our hearts in the midst of this place, Father God. So now we know, oh God, that your power is here, oh God. So we pray, oh God, you have your way today, Father God. Do as you please and as you want, oh God, with your children, Father God. I pray, Father God, you have your way right now. You let us worship to prepare our hearts to hear your word, oh God. Prepare our minds to receive, oh God. I come, oh God, believing, oh God, somebody will receive something they definitely need, Father God, for their heart, mind, body, and soul today, Father God. I thank you, oh God, for the praise to my thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. And we just pray, oh God, you have your way today like never before. We claim it and we declare it, oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Give God praise in this place. Hallelujah. God is good and God is kind. Thank you, oh God. Thank the praise team for ushering in that worship. Amen. Worship is so important. It's such a lovely and a beautiful thing. So I want to invite you all to New Creation Church. Amen. I'm Pastor George Thomas, and we're about to get started. But before we do, those that have children, if you would like, go ahead and uh, your children can be released to go to Children's Church in the back. We will have Children's Church in the back for all our children. Before we get started and get to rolling, this is the chance. Well, we'll take them in the back as they're being escorted. And thank you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah in this place. Hallelujah in this place. So we thank you, Lord, for all the children as we're getting them ready to go. And you already know y'all here today. Uh, you already know what the message is. Today we're going to talk about how to get away with murder. Amen? Amen. Probably like, what does that got to do with church? That don't even make sense, does it? But God, I love God and his word is so much. Uh, how to Get Away with Murder is actually a TV show that comes on. And uh, my daughter started watching it. She ended up getting me involved in that show. I started watching it. This is a pretty good dialogue show. It's kind of crazy. A lot going on. And it's crazy because a lot of these shows are well written. They get our attention. We want to watch these shows and get into them. And God kind of showed me that all the stuff that's on TV is in the Bible if you read it. It's the how, to get away, get a, how to get away with murder in the Bible. It's the scandals in the Bible. It's all kind of stuff in the Bible. We got to take time out to read it. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to deal with 2 Samuel. I'm going to have you stand to your feet real quick for the reading of God's word. After this, if you're standing anymore, it'll be because you want to. But we're going to read uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11, a few verses. I do have it on the screen as well, if you, unless you just want to get your Bible out or on your phone, however the case may be. But 2 Samuel chapter 11 was what we're going from today. And it states, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Then it happened, one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Is, not this, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. As we talk about today's message, how to get away with murder. Now, today's message evolves around a love triangle. Other than probably drugs and money, it seems like love will be one of the high reasons 
that people commit murder that we see in today's society. Well, the primary theme is how to get away with murder. I also have another question as well, not just how to get away with murder, but check this out. Do we ever give a, do we ever really get away with murder? So sit back, relax. Those of you guys with popcorn, eat your popcorn. If you want some, somebody to bring your son. We're gonna get this thing started, all right? Got a movie for y'all today. It's gonna be wild in here. All right, let's look at our text. So we're dealing with King David. King David, we're in the book of 2 Kings. The first, uh, first uh, Samuel, sorry. David is the second king of Israel. Let's give you a little pretext so y'all can see where we're coming from. He's the second king in the history of Israel. Saul was the first king. David was anointed to replace Saul. Saul tried to kill David. Saul lost God's anointing because he deliberately disobeyed God. He rebelled against God, so he lost the anointing. So God anointed David to be the king, and Saul was upset about that. So what we know about David, David, when he was a young boy, he killed a lion and a bear. God was moving with him. He's a young boy. He was a shepherd. They tried to take his, uh, his uh, sheep. So he was strong, very faithful, loved God. So he killed a lion and a, and a bear as a young boy. This led to him getting Goliath. And most of us heard of the story of David and Goliath. Everybody was scared of Goliath. Goliath disrespected all of God's people. But David said, you know what? I ain't scared of you. I know God don't have me. So David, the young boy, kills the giant, surprises everybody. Now David is king. He's won countless military battles. David got it going on. He's the king, so he's, uh, he's doing his thing. Also, David wrote the majority of the book of Psalms that we read. Psalms is full of prayers and full of uh, love and repentance and all these things. So it's safe to say that David loved God and knew God. We agree with that, right? That David knew God and he loved God. Okay, check this out. So we're going to look right there. It's in, it's in verse 2. Then, then it happened one evening. David woke up. He couldn't sleep, so he went to the roof. Uh, nothing like taking a good old walk on the roof when you're the king. Maybe you look over all your kingdoms and your palace and see what you did. David's like, I'm following. I got it going on. And he's walking and he sees a woman bathing. And the Bible says a very beautiful woman to behold. So what's that mean? That means the girl was bad. She had it going on. Uh, my era, uh, uh, all that in the bag of chips. Uh, new school, she looking like a snack. That's what they would say, man. So she looked good. She had it going on. She was very beautiful to behold. And it's a trip. Because she was minding her business. She wasn't bathing so the king could see her. She was minding her business. And David was just going for a walk. But ain't it trip sometimes how the perfect storm just happens? Uh, uh, that we chilling, minding our business, and something crazy comes and throws us off track. See, we live on an earth where temptation comes in all shapes and all sizes. David seeing this beautiful woman bathing was not a sin. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, Amen. Birds are going to fly, but you can't keep yourself from getting binoculars looking to see what tree that bird is, amen? Well, we would agree with that, right? So, so, so David is tripped out. Him seeing her was, was, was just a by chance happening, but him watching her led to some lustful desires that crept up in David's heart. So, so, so real quick, I just want to talk to the brothers in here. Uh, 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 pastor is a man, this is real, so I know how we feel this is real. When it comes to temptation, especially with women, flee! Yeah, don't stay here and wait for it. You better run. If David would have went back to his quarters, this whole story would be avoided. If David would have went back to doing what he was doing and flee from it, he would have been able to get away. So as I explained during the Unbothered series, God provides a way of escape in every temptation. Amen. Check this out. The text said this. And someone said, check this out. Look at that. David, quit. David sent to inquire about a woman who knew how she was, and the Bible said, and someone said, and someone said, we don't even know who this person is, but David 
trying to ask who she was. They said, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eli. This is also uh, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. He told him who this person was. But David should have said right there, let's go. I'm done. I ain't worried about who she is. She's somebody. I know her daddy. She's somebody's wife. It's over. I ain't worried about it no more. But David wanted to know who she was, and then he gets messed up. So this is what David does. David, this is verse 4. Then David sent his messengers and took her, and she came to him. He laid with her, for she was cleansed from impurity, and she returned to her house. So the reason why Sister Girl was bathing at night, it was her menstrual time. She was cleaning herself, getting purification. That's why she was doing what she was doing. So she was bathing herself because uh, it was menstrual time. And, and, and so this lets us know one thing. David, so instead of David, sorry about that, he's, a, he's the king. He sends for her and tells her to come. He lays with her, and then he sends her home. So David takes this woman out of her home, out of her comfort, out of her being married, and sends for her and has sex with her against her own will. Now, the Bible doesn't technically say that he raped her, but we would consider somebody, he's the king. Can you really tell the king no? If you tell the king no, there's going to be some consequences for telling the king no, we would agree. So it don't say that he forcefully took her, but it don't say she fought back either because he put sister girl in a bad situation because she had to come to the king. So this one, it gets real because sometimes later, she sends a word to David. She sends a letter to David and says, David, I'm with child. So sister girl pregnant now. So if she had just came off her um, menstrual, who the father? It got to be David, right? So this is messed up because we know she has a husband. So she just came off her menstrual. David slept with her. So he knows she's pregnant with his baby. So it just got real because her sins started showing. Oh, yeah. We think stuff is cute because we can cover it up. Yeah. When we think we can hide it, we can deny it. But once our sins our sin start showing, we come up with all kind of matter of evil. We will, to cover them up, we will lie, cheat, steal, and even kill sometimes to cover up what we did. Yeah, yeah. See, in the old covenant, adultery was punishable by death. So, so, so Bathsheba would have got killed for sleeping with David, even though it wasn't her, her decision. She would have got killed. David was the king, so he probably wouldn't have got killed because he's the king, but she would have died because she slept with this man. So, so she said, look here, you have to come up with a plan. I'm letting you know I'm a child, bro. You have to figure something out. It's all bad over here. So, so what, does Jay, what, does, what does David do? This is verse 6 through 10. So David sends Joab, his chief, uh, for Uriah to come back home from war. So David's chopping it up with him. He says, send Uriah back home. I got a plan. I got a plan. Send him back home. And here we are. We pick up at verse 8. He says, and David said to Uriah, Go down to your house, wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food from the king followed. So what does washing your feet mean? They're on battle. They got sandals. Their feet is dirty out there, amen. So go home and wash your feet means go home, relax, and go sleep with your wife. That, that's, that was the idiom for that. So David sent them gifts. He sent them food and drinks. So y'all can have a good night. I got something planned for y'all. Uh, have a weekend getaway. Come home, sleep with your wife, take care of it, and, and, and everything will be right. So after Uriah had slept with his wife, he would have sent him back to war. He would have said, you know what? She became pregnant. It's your child. Take care of it. Which David was playing. But Proverbs 14 and 12 says this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. And that's a trick because it's a way that seems right to us. We try to figure it out on our own strength, on our own agenda. Our minds get to working and we get caught up in so many things. But, but it's a trick because uh, when we try to do it our own way, it messes up. So look, look what Uriah did. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and did not go down to his house. What? Uriah didn't even go home. 
he had the perfect opportunity to leave war, leave the battlefield, go home and sleep with his wife. But Uriah is loyal. He stayed at the king's palace. So what happens when you're loyal to the wrong person? Look at that. What happens when you're loyal to the wrong person? So Uriah is a good brother, y'all. He's on the battlefield. He's trying to bring home victory for him. He's trying to handle that thing. He loves his king. He loves his country. He's trying to do all this for his king and his country. But the king is trying to cover up his mess and trick him because of his sins. So how many Uriahs do I have in the room today? You were beyond loyal to somebody. You would go on to the moon and back for the wrong person. You would swim across the ocean for this person. Give your last five dollars to this person. Pick them up for work on time or whatever. And you couldn't get nothing in return. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help somebody. Check this out. Check this out. Uh, today, stop giving your loyalty to people that can't even give you honesty. Amen. Yeah, I think that's one for people right there. Stop giving your loyalty to people who can't even be honest with you. What kind of sense does that make? Did we get caught up in all this mess? We jacked up because we didn't came to pledge allegiance to the wrong person. See, all of us have been uh, Uriah at one point in our life, loyal to the wrong person. Uh, uh, check this out. You can read the story on your own. But, but, but the word gets back to David that Uriah didn't go home. He slept at the king's palace with his servants. He slept there. He didn't go home. Mr. Loyal says, look here, king. Uh, uh, my boys are at war. My commander's at war. They living in tents. What do I look like going home to sleep with my wife? I can't get my mind off the battlefield. I got to take care of what I got to take care of. So uh, he says this, as long as you live as king, as long as your soul live, I would never do a such thing. So he basically told David, as long as you alive, I'm never going to go home to my wife. How y'all think David felt? <laughs> so God gives David an escape from the temptation. He could have been honest right there. It's already bad. He ain't going home. I could have told him what I did, and we could have moved on. But as painful as it may be to tell the truth, once sin gets started, it's difficult to stop. See, when you lie, what you got to do? Got to tell lie, cover it up. And a lot to go. And all of us that have children, we kind of laugh at them because when you know they're lying and they're trying to keep it going, you're just looking at them. You did what? And then what happened? And then what? Their mind ain't figured it out yet that the story got to make sense. So they just tell us anything, and then you go back and point to them, and they look at you like they were talking like, call them. So, so it's a trip because I can imagine David's heart beating hard right here. I can imagine David sweating like I'm caught up in a mess right here. So David says, you know what? I got to think of another plan. So, so sin is a trip. Check this out. It makes you go further than you want to go. And it keeps you longer than you want to be kept. Oh. Yeah, sin is a trip. Yeah, it takes you further. Anybody went further than they wanted to go? They tried something and it went way too long. You're like, how did I get here? Or it kept me bowed down and tied in some way longer than it should have. Sin is a trip. And, and, and by the time we come to our senses, we don't even know how we got there. What, what, what happened? I, I don't know. What happened? So, so, so it's a trip. So David says, look here. I'm going to send you home tomorrow. I'm in verse 12. If you got your Bibles open, uh, uh, if you're following, I'm going to send you home tomorrow. But, but come on one more time. Come hang out with the king one more time. Uh, king has a plan to make all this loyalty stuff fly out the window. So he says, Brother Uriah, come on down. Come hang with me. Uh, this is what we're going to do. Check this out. I'm going to get you drunk. David takes him to the palace, gets him drunk. Has a beautiful time with him, hangs out with him. He said, look here, I know if I get him drunk, his wife is bad. He don't sleep with her. I don't care what been going on in the war. I don't care if I get this man full of, full of this liquor and full of this time. I send him home. He's going to sleep with his wife. It's going to help me out. Problem solved. But guess what? Uriah is loyal. 
he fell asleep at the king's palace. Still didn't go home. Uh, uh, uh. This is all messed up because now David has to come up with another plan to cover up his sins. So check this out. I got to put this on the screen because y'all don't believe how crazy this story gets. Verse 14, check this out. In the morning, it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab, who was the commander at war, and sent it by hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him that he may be struck down and die. David, cold-blooded. This was the man, remember I told y'all that love God? That worship God? See, it's a trip because some of us get somewhere in God and we think we so holy and we get there. Temptation comes to everybody. Don't never think you're too holy to make a mistake because God will humble you, amen? We can't get prideful and think that because I'm with God, I'm rolling me and God on this level. No, no, no. You better remain humble. You better keep praying. You better keep fasting. You better keep repenting because David messed up. So David is cold-blooded. Uh, not only did he try to cover up this man, his sins, and make this man take care of his child when it wouldn't work, he gave him a letter to kill him. You realize that you can be loyal to a fault? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody felt that. You can be loyal almost to a fault because uh, David knows that he's loyal to him. So he says, you know what? I got a letter that's addressed to Joab. And if he's that loyal and won't go home to his wife, he'll take this letter to Joab and won't read it. So David gave him a letter to, to kill him. It's cold-blooded, cold-blooded. Uh, 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 uh. So check this out. So he got this man carrying around his own death wish. Uh, Joab gets the letter and he follows the instructions of the king. He puts Uriah in the battle where the, where in the front part where the battle is, is hot, it's heavy, it's going on, people are killing. He puts him up there and then he retreats so Uriah can be killed. Other people as well. So it's a trip what David did. And then check this out, verse 26 and 27. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent her, sent and brought her to his house. She became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David done had displeased the Lord. My God, my God. David called, buddy. Check this out, check this out. This young woman who was married is now a widow. She didn't plan on losing her husband. But because the king had a lust issue, her husband got to be killed. It's messed up. The person that is willing to commit murder, check this out, puts their own agenda above everyone else's. David didn't care how Bathsheba felt. He didn't care who took care of the child. And he didn't care about making her a widow all because he didn't want to get caught. This is some of us. Some of us have some David in us as well. See, maybe we don't commit the actual act of murder. We don't go out and physically kill somebody, but we will murder somebody with our looks. Amen. We will murder somebody with our attitudes, with our tongues and our harsh words that cut deep. The lies we tell all for our personal agenda and our personal gain because we don't want to get caught up in something. So all of us got to be careful because a little David can rise up us any given time. So then David, as soon as the mourning period is over, which is presumed by old biblical texts is about seven days from other sections of scripture, he sends for her to come his wife. She bore his son. David thinks, I'm in the clear. It all worked out in my favor anyway. I got the woman I wanted. I got, I'm taking care of my own child. Everything is going okay. But again, who said she wanted to marry David? I, I, 
didn't catch that part in the text. She said she, she loved David and she wanted to make that her husband. I didn't see that in the text. No, no, no. He sent for her to become be her husband. So it's a trip. The only thing that matters to me, because sin makes us selfish. Yeah, somebody fear. Sin makes you selfish. So, so David, check this out. The only thing that matters to me when I'm in sin is me, myself, and I. Everybody else gets put on the back burner. Back burner. So again, so so the scripture says this about all this. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. So now God comes into our story. And God has watched this whole thing orchestrate. And God is upset now. It has displeased the Lord. So so I'm about to show you now how to get away with murder is why I show you now. But I come to tell you that murder never anybody that commits murder never really gets away with it. Let's look at this. Let's look what the, let's look what the Lord says. It's a couple of scriptures. The eyes of the Lord. Jeremiah 16 and 17 says, My eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face. Nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. So that means God sees everything that all of us do. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Proverbs 15 and 3. Keeping watch on the evil and the good. See, this is something I try to put in my children's life. Understand that I can't see everything you do. You might be able to outslip me because I'm not everywhere at all times. But no matter if you lie to me, God still see you. Amen. So really don't, you're really not getting away with it either way you think. So it don't matter. I'm going to let you know that no matter what we do, God always sees you. I remember this real quick. I was at a church and a deacon came up and gave a testimony. He said every week he would uh, go to the back of the church before a service, kneel down outside and smoke his cigarettes because he wanted nobody to see him. He would go to the back every week, kneel down, nobody see him, and got to smoking. And one day he looked up and it hit him in his gut. But God see me. So it don't matter who I'm trying to hide it from, if he see me, it's still being recorded. So we got to be careful and remember that the eyes of the Lord are always and everywhere. We can all learn stuff from David, the man that loved God, the man that was a worshiper, a man that was after God's own heart. Just like anyone else, if I let temptation in my life come and sin, I don't confess it. Your heart will turn cold towards God. Yeah, it don't matter who you are. I don't care, bishop, whatever, pastor, whatever. If you got sin in your heart and you don't confess it, your heart will turn cold towards God. And the only way to cover up that first sin, adultery, check this out, was to sin again. So the only way to cover up sin, once we don't confess it, is to sin again. And again, and again, and again. See, David kept on sinning and sinning and sinning, making all these plays. And so guess what? He no longer felt guilty about what he did. Wow. Ooh, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a bad place to be in. Uh, uh, when you do so much wrong that your conscience don't even bother you. When you've been so much in tune with God before, the Holy Spirit can't even convict you for your wrongdoing. You've done so much, your heart has got cold towards God. Notice David didn't even mourn Uriah. It said his wife mourned, but it didn't say David did. He set up the hit that killed him, and he couldn't even mourn for this young man dying because of his sins. Ooh, don't become, don't become like David. So we get so caught up with other, what other people think about us in our situations that we lie and try to hide it and keep it from them. We do whatever we can to make sure somebody can't catch us in our mess and cover it up. But we get so caught up when I come to help somebody out. The only person's opinion that really matters is God. Amen. Why? He's the only one that got a heaven and a hell to put you in. Right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Sorry, newsflash. Nobody else's opinion really matters because you got to answer to him. The Bible declares this. Don't fear him who can destroy your body. 
Fear the one who can destroy your body and your soul, which is God. When we get so caught up in the fear of men, what other people going to think or what they're going to feel. No, 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 no. It is better to confess and repent and move on and try to hide it from, 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 from them and everybody else because God already knows. Yeah, so we halfway through it. This is where it gets gooder and gooder, amen? This is where it's about to go down. It gets crazy in here. So we in, in 2 Samuel now, chapter 12. I'm going to read this real quick. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men, one in one city, and one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. I'm going to start right there before I keep going. Uh, I love this real quick because the Bible says this, the Lord sent Nathan. Yes. So we get messed up. We don't want no Nathan to be sent in our life. On Nathan, we want Nathan hot dogs. We don't, yeah. want, we don't want God to send no prophet. Nathan was a prophet. We don't want no prophet to come in our life because we don't want a person that is serious about God to read us our mail. We don't want somebody that been praying for us and loving us and God gave them something to tell us. We don't want to hear that truth because that truth going to hurt. And it trips me out about this because in life I've learned this. People love the people that lie to them and hate the people that tell them the truth. And that got to be the craziest thing. People that lie, we love the liars. We love the liars. We commit, we just got to have them. Every word they speak is whatever. And when somebody sent a truth speaker in your life, they hating on me. They don't want me to be happy. They don't want me to have no. That's the truth, sweetie. He's trying to help you. It's messed up here. So, 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 so God sent a name to be careful. We thankful when God wants to send somebody to help you. Because he ain't got to send nobody. He can let you go to your own destruction. But God loves you, so he sent somebody. So check this out. Nathan comes to him. And check this out. When somebody comes to your life to speak, and those who God might call you to be a Nathan sometimes, you got to be careful how you come to people, though. So when you confront somebody, you can't be argumentative. You can't be ready to fight and come back. Even though you got the truth, you can't be crazy about it. Because if you want somebody to respond constructively, think about what you're going to say. Sometimes how you present the message is just as important how you say it. Oh, yeah, amen. How you present it to someone. It, it trips me out. I, I seen this real quick. It's kind of off subject, but it messed me up. It was a, it was a, a rally or somewhere, a prior rally somewhere, and there were people on Facebook commenting all these crazy comments about the people. And I'm like, how are you going to get somebody saved if you can't show no love? It's still a way to speak the truth in love. Right. I ain't got to hate you. I ain't got to be mean to you to give you the truth. And that's something I watch what turns people off away from Christ. Because sometimes Christians be mean. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I know that they don't want to show nobody no love. You got to be able to speak the truth in love. So that's what my little soapbox I'm back to now. So check this out. So, so I'm off of that. So Nathan tells the parable to David. Check this out. He says, it's two men in the city, one rich and one poor. The poor man had nothing but one lamb. So look at the poor man with his one little lamb. That's the poor man right there. He bought with his money. He nourished it. He took care of it. He grew it up with him. He raised it like he was one of his children. It was to the point he cared for it so much. It was like his own daughter. The poor man loved his only lamb. Then the Bible says, then a traveler came, comes to the rich man. And this is how the rich man is living out here. That's, that's the poor man. And look at the rich man. That's how the rich man is living. He got it going on. Got a whole flock of lambs. The rich man balling. He got it going on. The rich man, the traveler comes, he refused to take one of his own flock. He needed something to feed this traveler. So instead of going to his plenty, he goes and takes the one lamb 
from the poor man. He had it prepared and cooked for this man and, 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 and fed the rich man. So let's look it out. So we got a story. We see the poor man only got one lamb. We got the rich man got a whole flock. The, the rich man, instead of his abundance, goes to the poor man, takes his one, and takes his. So the poor man has none left, right? So let, let's, let's see what David said about the story that he gave him. So, David anger, uh, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. He shall restore fourfold for the lamb because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Wow. David is angry with the rich man. It's true. He said he must, hey, hey, this guy got to die. Before he died, he got to get back fourfold from what he took because he had no pity. It's amazing when we can see other people's problems but can't see it ourselves. <laughs> Ain't it amazing how when somebody else in the wrong, it's like 2020. 2020, but when it's us, we need contact glasses, bifocals, lazy. We need to hold now our eyes all jacked up when it's us. Maybe that's why Jesus says judge and don't be judged. Before you go get the log out of your, try to get the log, a beam out your brother's eye, get the log out your own eye. Take care of your own eye first, and when you take care of your own eye, then you're able to help your brother. But David can't see this. A year had passed. Check this out. A year had passed almost now. He didn't, he didn't have the baby. He didn't get married. He became so insensitive to his own sins. He couldn't see the pinery of the parable Nathan had given him. It didn't even make no sense to him what was going on. So let's see what Brother Nathan had a chance to say back to David. He said this. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Woo-hoo. I can imagine David's heart sinking down to his feet. Because he thought he hid it from everybody. He thought his sin was covered up. Nobody knew exactly what I did. It might have some assumptions. Joab maybe probably figured I did something wrong. Especially if they seen me with her. She would probably figure I killed her husband, but she couldn't prove it. Nobody really knew but, but, but Joab and, and Uriah who had the letter. So David, Nathan says, you are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Check this out what God had to say about it to David. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul, the first king who tried to kill David on multiple occasions. I gave you your master's house, which was Saul. I gave you your master's wives. Not, not intentional, but he's saying that your wife, I didn't get rid of the wives. The wives still was able to reside in the kingdom. And I gave them all into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if it had been, and if it had been too little, I would have given you much more. Wow, hold on, check this out. David was so tight with God. David's relationship was so tight that if he would have asked for more, God would have just gave it to him. That's how it was. So David got a rundown of all the things God had did for you. Then God told him, you are literally under an open heaven. I've protected you. I've kept you. I've hooked you up time and time again. You already know you're my boy. But check this out. And if you wanted more, I would have gave it to you. If you just asked, I need you to get into position that if you've been praying, you better keep praying. Because this gives me confidence that I can walk under the open heaven. So yeah, yeah, I want to be no, no blessings, amen. I, I want to be blessed in this life, amen. That if God was able to give him more, if he just would have asked, but are we asking? But are we asking with the right heart? See, if you've been praying, you got to keep praying. Uh, if you've been celibate, you got to keep being celibate. If you've been loving your enemies, you got to keep on loving your enemies. Uh, I say this all the time. 
God doesn't have favorites. No, no respect of a person. But the person that is obedient gets more favor. Ooh. I might, yeah, yeah, I might hit you Tuesday. God don't have favorites. But if I'm obedient, I get more favor. Amen. I need all the favor God got for me. I need it all and then some. Amen. I need a hundredfold back. So God wants to bless us. That shows me that's hope in the relationship with God, that God wants to give us more and blow our mind. The Bible says do exceedingly abundantly, more than we can think or ask, but according to the power that works within us. So God wants to hook us up. But we got to be in position to get it. So David now has received the blow to his relationship with God. All because of what he saw. Think about that. All because if he couldn't keep his eyes in check, he's received the blow to his relationship with God. How many people have lost their families because of what they've seen? How many people have lost good relationships because of what they've seen? How many people have lost jobs and opportunities all because of our eyes and we couldn't keep them in check? That's a trip right there. It messes me up right here. Look, look, look at verse 9. The 10 says, this is, this, is, this is David still speaking. Why you have despised the commandment of the Lord to do this evil in his sight? Remember I said the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. So even though you thought you hid it, you did the evil in his sight. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. God called David out on the park before his sins. He gave him a rundown of everything that he done. And then guess what? He also gave him judgment. He said, now the sword is never going to leave your house. That's a trip right there. Because you allowed, you killed this man, you took his wife, his wife, then you let God's enemies kill him. Now that same sword you tried to give is never going to leave your house. I got something right here I want you to see. Check this out. It's a trip. Uh, you might want to tell somebody about this. God gave me this right here. Satisfying your flesh never brings satisfaction. Yeah, that might have went over somebody's head right there. Check it out. You see, that's my, that's my picture of King David over there with regret written all over him. Satisfying your flesh. Satisfying your flesh never really brings us satisfaction. See, those things that we think are so fun or so pleasurable, but are outside of the will of God, only lead to death. The things that we think are good to us aren't really good for us. But because they're good, because we want them, we do anything to get them. I got homeboys I know that died in car crashes because they were driving drunk and high. It was something they flesh wanted to do, but it could never be satisfied. I had other homeboys that were under the influence and influence of alcohol and lost their license and lost jobs because they were driving drunk. Something they wanted to do, they thought was satisfying their flesh, but in the end, it didn't bring satisfaction. I got homies that have went to jail and got parties that get caught up in jail for selling drugs, and some have even been killed. Never coming home, never seeing their kids again, never. All these things have happened, and because they wanted to live a fast life, they thought brought them satisfaction. But it truly never satisfies. So we got to be careful. See, the devil convinces convince us that if we need it and want it so bad, the price we pay for it isn't worth it. Only once we have done everything we have done, every, every, everything we have done that the devil wants us to do and cause us to satisfy our flesh, he tries to kill us for it. And it's messed up because now God tells this, tells David this, I'm about to tear up your whole kingdom, bro. 
I love you. I never stop loving you, but I'm about to tear it up. I'm going to take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. He's going to lie with them publicly because you try to do it secretly. Yeah, I'm going to do it openly for all Israel to see now. So David's caught up in a mess. So David repents. I have sinned against God. It took all this for David to finally repent. It took all this uh, for David to say, you know what, I'm wrong. I sinned. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. And this is tripped out that this is the difference between Saul and David. Saul wouldn't repent for his. He deliberately disobeyed God, but he wouldn't repent. That's why he lost the kingdom. But David, even though he got caught, it took him to Nathan come in his life. He did finally repent for his sin. But Nathan says this, look here. The Lord has put away your sins and you won't die. I bet David felt some relief right there. He knew what he did was wrong. But he said you gave your enemies a chance to blaspheme God. Because you put this man and killed him. You're the king. You're supposed to be representing God. You're the king. Because you allowed this man to get killed and took his wife and did all these evil things. Now people are going to think God condones that. So you put my character on, on trial now because you did what you wanted to do. So now people are going to think that I'm the God that accepts this kind of behavior. That's not me. I'm holy. I'm righteous. So since you gave your enemies a chance to blaspheme, God said this, the child that is born will die. Yeah, yeah that's, that. that's why I still got David up there with regret. Because the child that was born of you will die. Because God is a righteous judge. He forgave David for his sin, but couldn't let it go unpunished. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're thinking. But why did the child have to die? Uh, was it because it was born out of wedlock? No, God, no, God's not like that. No, 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 no. It was judgment for David's sin because the penalty of adultery was death. It was a penalty. It was judgment because of David's sin. See, the consequences of David's sins were irreversible. Check this out. Sometimes an apology isn't enough. Yeah, somebody, I'm going to say that again. Sometimes an apology isn't enough. See, when me, me and Lady Thomas, we was younger and, and, and before I was Pastor G and all that stuff, I was doing my own thing, and ripping and running, doing a little too much. And, and I was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it got to a point, she said, you know what, I don't like that word. I don't like the word sorry, because if you're not going to change your ways, what good is a sorry? Amen. And, and, and not saying that God don't forgive us, but what, what is the sorry worth if I don't show no change of action with it? So sometimes an apology isn't enough. So, so this is why I ask the question, do we ever really get away with murder? Because when God forgives us and restores us, our relationships, and does all that thing, he, he doesn't eliminate the consequences of our wrongdoing. You see, because of the gift of repentance, because we're allowed, we're, we're in Jesus' New Testament, we ever say, God, forgive me for my sins, and it's a great thing. Thank God for it. I'm, I'm so grateful for the gift of repentance. But, but it's tempting because it leads us to say things like this, God knows my heart. Yeah, have you ever heard it before? God knows my heart. The truth of the matter, he does know your heart. He knows every wicked thought. He knows every intent. He knows every motive behind what you're doing. So God really does know our heart. So if I do this wrong thing, I can always apologize. Because I got forgiveness for repentance. I can always apologize. But we must remember, sometimes when we do wrong things, we set motions in place. And events are irreversible consequences. Sometimes when we do wrong things, we set some stuff in motion that can't be changed. So even though you're able to be forgiven for it, don't mean you ain't got to deal with the problem with it. Hmm. Y'all quiet, so I'm guessing y'all agree, amen. 
Praise God. Uh, 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 so check this out. So David's messed up. He's all jacked up. My baby about to die. So David goes on a fast. For seven days, David gets down. He's praying. He, he, I'm not going to eat. My baby, I ain't going to let my baby die. I got to go fast before the Lord. So David praying for seven days, covering himself in ashes. He's praying. He's fasting. Then on seven days, to no avail, the child died. Yeah, yeah. So they were scared to tell David. He didn't want to see nobody. He didn't want to talk to nobody. He was scared to tell David that the child died. So they come and they finally, they looking all crazy. David comes out and says, what's wrong? And he says, the child is dead. David goes, cleans himself up, shaves his hair, and goes downstairs and eats because he's I eat in seven days. They asked him, they said, why don't you go and eat now? Now that the child is dead, you're not going crazy. He said, because it's gone. The child will never come to me again, but I'll come to it. So what do I look like? Now I got to live what I got to deal with. So God in his gracious and his mercy blessed Bathsheba and David with another son. His name was Solomon. He would become the next king of Israel, but also the wisest man that ever lived, what the Bible says. But he also made some mistakes with some women because he inherited some of his daddy mess. But check this out. So David, remember God said that the sword would never leave his house. Thank you. I'm going to read it to you. Don't worry about it. So the sword would never leave his house. Let's look what happened with David's kids. He had a son named Ammon. He raped his own half-sister, which was David's daughter. He had another son named Absalom, who was, Absalom was another one of David's sons. He murdered Ammon for raping the, for raping the sister. That was his full sister, and that was his half-sister. He was so upset with his brother that he raped his sister, so he killed him. Then Absalom got so mad that David wasn't ready to hand him over the kingdom, he rebelled against his father, and he tried to take the kingdom from his father. The sword would never leave your house. Then Absalom went to another level. He slept with David's wives and concubines. Remember God said, I'm going to let you see openly what you've done secretly. His own son slept with his wives and his women and told everybody about it, bragged about it. How embarrassing is that? Check it. Then Joab, his man, who he gave to Uriah, the letter to Uriah to put the hit on Uriah. David was still loving his son. He said, no matter what happens, don't hurt my son. But Joab seen an opportunity to take Absalom out. So guess what? He killed David's son anyway without his permission because he didn't like how he was treating the king. The sword would never leave his house. Then David's son, Adonijah, proclaimed himself to be king before the father died. God, he already said Solomon was going to be king. The other son was the oldest now. His brothers was dying. He said, I'm going to make myself king. My father's about to die. So David makes him king. So now him and Solomon have a conflict because you proclaim yourself to be king, but daddy said, I am king. How are you going to try to take me out? So then Solomon had to go and kill his own brother because he didn't know if he was going to try to kill him later and take over his throne. The sword would never leave your house. And this gives me, I'm almost finished, so this gives me the Solomon right here. Solomon wrote this, Proverbs 20 and 7, trust me out. And it, I try to go to bed with this scripture on my mind every day. Go every night, go to bed with it on my mind. Wake up with it in the morning. Proverbs 20 and 7, this is David's son who became king, whose brother had died because of his daddy's sins, who had seen all his whole family go astray because of his daddy's sins. Look what he writes in Proverbs 27. The righteous man walks in integrity. His children are blessed after him. Could it be because he's seen his whole family go in disarray? Could it be because he's seen everything go crazy? We was in the kingdom. We had a king's house. We was balling. Everything was good. Now sisters is raped. Brothers is dead. My other brother tried to take care. Take, take, take me out. All kind of stuff is going on. But if daddy would have walked right, if daddy would have walked integrity, 
his children would have been blessed after him. So us as parents, whether you're a mother or father, the righteous man, that's, that's transferable. If you walk in integrity, if you walk righteously, it goes down to your children. And they are blessed because of how I walk before God. So we all know David went through all this sin and messed up everything. It led David to write Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is a, is a, 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 a famous psalm. A lot of people quote it. And he's screaming out to God because he knows he did so much wrong. Lord, forgive me for my blood guiltiness. Forgive me for my sins. Uh, purge me with his sop so I can be whiter than snow. Forgive me, I messed up. He's confessing the sin of adultery, his sin of murder. David said, I jacked up. But one thing David says in there that I love, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Yeah. Create in me a clean heart. Because I've hid my sin for so long and did so much dirt, my heart became dirty. And that's what God is saying to us all today. He wants us to repent for our sins. God loves us and ain't changed nothing. Uh, the only way to get away with murder is to confess murder. Confess your sins. But we don't totally get away from it because we still got to deal with some of the consequences. But I'd rather deal with the consequences knowing God got my back. I'd rather deal with the consequences knowing I'm in his arms. I'd rather deal with the consequences knowing that his love was over, overshadowing me. Because if I deal with him on my own, on the devil's terms, the devil's going to try and kill me and take me out. So I come to say today that God sent an offering for David and for us all, his son Jesus Christ, who was murdered for our sins. Make no mistake about it, Jesus was murdered for our sins. He laid down his life for us so that we may live. That doesn't mean all the consequences go away. Just because I asked him for forgiveness today, that's not what that means. But it means I can handle the consequences with him. So I don't know what you're standing in need of, but know anything you've done wrong, murder's a sin, we like to say, uh, can anybody really be forgiven from? Because murder seems so bad, so hard. And just, it is bad when someone takes someone else's life. It is bad, it is horrible. But God in his grace and his mercy loves us all. So whatever you've done today, I don't know where you're at in your life with Christ, or whatever mistakes you've made, but trust is forgiveness at the cross. Jesus came and died, gave up his life for you and for me. He said, I love them. And Father, they know not what they do. It was not just for the people persecuting him that day. It was also for those, us, me, you, us, thousands of years later. Because, Father, we know not what we do. And maybe we ain't committed to act of murder physically. But I know we murdered some people with our tongue. We murdered somebody's character. We murdered somebody's hopes, somebody's dreams. We murdered somebody's life. We murdered somebody's love. We murdered something and somebody and all of us. So God wants to do something special for us today. So whatever you stand in need of, know, I, I just, if you do not know Jesus and the pardon of your sins, I pray today it will be the day. You say, Lord, I need a Savior in my life. I need you. I can't make it without you. There's too much going on around me and in my own heart. I need my heart to be cleansed. Because this world will make me go crazy. Sometimes people in my family will make me go crazy. I need my heart to be cleansed and purified by you. So if you're in need of a Savior, I'm going to ask you to come forward today and give your life to Christ. If you need him as your Savior, if you need to be saved, because tomorrow's not promised. Lady Thomas already shared uh, one of her after